Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Kimberly Majeski. How are you, Kimberly? Hey, Jim. I'm good. How are you? I'm so fine. And you know, Kimberly, I have a sense that you're the kind of person that doesn't just drive by a Starbucks. You <laughs> stop in and pick something up. What do you think? You know me well. I am a Starbucks customer to the end. All right. And so give me an idea of what you want to buy at Starbucks. When you go there, do you have a favorite thing? I have a venti iced coffee with two stevia and a little splash of cream. Well, that sounds very precise. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that when I walk into the, our local Starbucks near our studio here, mm-hmm. I don't know if they know me by name, but they know me. Mm-hmm. And they know I don't do coffee. I love Starbucks, but I don't drink coffee. But you know what I do like? They've got these dark chocolate-covered graham crackers, Mm -hmm. a package of two and a little cellophane. I'm telling you, folks, you've been going to Starbucks all these years, and you never notice them. But once you (laughs) buy a pair, you will never be able to be the same. I'm just telling you, Starbucks has something for everybody. Well, that's what I would say. And this week on Viewpoint, we're going to talk about Starbucks a little bit, not just so we can pump up the company, that's not our game here, but because there's some lessons. There are some life lessons all of us can learn from your local Starbucks. Stay with us. Kimberly, I know you love that uh, iced coffee, that venti size Mm -hmm. at your local Starbucks. What do you know about Starbucks? Just tell me something that you know about Starbucks. I know that Starbucks started in the Emerald City of Seattle. Oh, there you go. What a great great factoid to have right at your disposal. I know that they are experts at customer service. Because your experience is that when you go to a Starbucks, you have a certain level of engagement that impresses you. And do you know what I love about Starbucks is that no matter what city I'm in, I can go to a Starbucks and have my drink made the same way it's made in my hometown every morning. And so there's something about the certainty that I'm out of you know, I'm out of pocket, I'm out of my rhythm, but I can go to this place and I can have my thing the way I like it. Well, and that's a secret to a lot of global brands, isn't it? That they've been able to standardize with predictability a certain quality of of service and delivery of product. And I think that appeals to all of us, especially when you're traveling away from home. You're not really certain about everything. I know when I'm traveling throughout the country or even abroad. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fun to explore the local culture and so on. But every now and then, I just want to have that retreat back into the familiar. And if I can find a Starbucks, I'm there. That's right. So I'm hearing you say that you have experienced it in a positive way. You know it came from Seattle. And of course, you know I'm from Seattle. So... (laughs) Let's just, say, right? let's just say. Is that right? Let's just say. Is that right? Do fun things come from I mean, Seattle? Everything wonderful <laughs> what, what comes from say? Seattle. But it started in 1971, a little hole in the wall coffee shop in the famous Pike Place Market. Mm-hmm. And that's still there. You can still visit it. And when you go to that original Starbucks store, you can buy a mug that says it's the original Starbucks mug. You cannot buy it at any other Starbucks nope. in the world but that one. It's a destination. It's always a lineup outside the mm-hmm. original Starbucks store. Usually some people playing instruments and trying to garner some gifts from people standing in line <laughs> to get into the original store. There's a lot of cachet and iconic imaging mm-hmm. with Starbucks now, sometimes called Big Green because of the the green emblem that people okay. recognize. It's one of those few symbols in the world that doesn't actually need words anymore. That's right. Because when you see it, you know what it is. That's and so true. Think about the power of that no, brand. Yeah. But we're not here just to talk about Starbucks per se, but there's a reason why this company has succeeded. Now, for every one of us who 
likes to stop into Starbucks or somebody else who says, well, I prefer the local coffee roaster in my town. I, mm-hmm. I'm not for the big green or, mm-hmm. you know, there are all kinds of reasons people may not be engaged by Starbucks, but everyone has to acknowledge it's had huge success making its imprint on the way of life today. There are over 30,000 stores worldwide. Yeah, for many amazing. seasons of its life, it's opened up two stores every week continuously, mm-hmm. sometimes multiple stores on a day. It has this kind of just like expansion to it. Hey, what's the most exotic Starbucks you've been where? I I visited the one in Thessaloniki. I have a mug from there. Yes, yes. I, I visited the one in Ephesus. Um, so I have a star. From, I have a, a mug from there. Where 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 is the the strangest place? Honestly, the the most amazing Starbucks store I had was in China, in mainland China, the okay. People's Republic, where I was meeting up with a local pastor, mm-hmm. and this pastor had been imprisoned four times, and oh, we my. attempted to have a meeting with him, and were being followed. Uh, everywhere we went, there was someone looking at us, and we were just being stalked. I mean, we just knew that. I, in fact, at one point, I, I walked up to a tree just to stare at it strangely to see if the guy behind me would do the same. And so then I did, and I walked on farther, and the guy behind me walked up and stared at the tree just like oh I did, my goodness, which suggested he was paying attention to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. All this to say, we tried to meet this guy out in the public, out in the open, and everywhere we went, he noticed a camera or something, and he was very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Finally, he sends us a message and says, I'll meet you at the Starbucks, huh. which there was one in that city. And he said, I feel like it's the only safe place because somehow Starbucks is never bugged or managed. Now, I can't say if that's true or not, but that's what he believed. And so he met us then at the Starbucks store. We went to a second level part. The store was a kind of a two-story one where you can order downstairs, but go Mm -hmm. upstairs with the comfy couches. And that's where we met up, and I heard his story. I'll never forget that, though, because for him, in his context, Starbucks was a refuge Mm -hmm. from an oppressive Mm -hmm. environment. Yeah. So everybody's got a story. Right. All right. But we're not here really talking about those qualities of Starbucks so much as why is it that they succeeded so fabulously, which brings me to a a book that I picked up not long ago. The book's not new. It was published in 2009. It's written by a guy named Howard Bahar. Mm -hmm. And Howard Bahar was an executive at Starbucks for many years. He's since retired. He was hired in and eventually rose to become the guy in charge of all of their international operations outside of the United States. He pioneered the Starbucks that branched out of Seattle and went into Canada, for instance, and then across the oceans. And he has had a front row seat on the development of the company. Mm -hmm. But as he has, he's captured in this book, which is titled, It's Not About the Coffee. Mm. And then the subtitle is Lessons on Putting People First from a Life at Starbucks. And he's He's giving some insight, at least into his journey experience, his sense of the company and why it succeeded. And it's so fascinating because it's not really about dollars and cents, although that's actually a part of the story. And it's not really about serving coffee. It's about a culture of seeing people as they are, who they are, and respecting them. Hmm. And I'm thinking there's something there that we can think about no matter where we are in life. So, Jim, what is this uh, Starbucks guy 
Bahar. What does he say at the beginning of the book? Well, he sets up his journey to Starbucks. He was a furniture salesman, and he had a, he was managing a store in Portland and so on and so forth. But one thing led to another where he didn't feel like he was in his right niche, and he found a place at Starbucks and quickly rose up to be an executive there. And uh, he poured many, many years of his life into the company mm -hmm. and to help it expand, and especially abroad. At the very beginning of the book, he sets up my assignment, the author says, was not just to have more Starbucks stores, but I had to become cross-culturally aware. I, I learned, oh. he said, he told a, a great story about their stores opening in Toronto. Now, I've been to Toronto just recently, and the place is a Starbucks megacenter. I mean, there's very few blocks you can go to in Toronto without seeing a, a big green Starbucks sign. But he was the guy who helped pioneer it, and they had not had much experience in Canada, and he learned through this journey that Canada, though it's very similar to the United States, is not the United States. And he had to listen way more carefully than he thought he would have to listen mm. to the people on the ground. What was the way they saw coffee? How did they feel okay. about somebody coming into their neighborhood? What was their concept of an American company coming into Toronto, which is the New York of Canada and so mm -hmm. on? I mean, he had some fits and starts. They actually had to open some stores and then close them right up and start over because they weren't paying attention to the culture. Yeah. A whole another program about that. Yeah. But as he establishes his role there at Starbucks, he said, I learned very quickly that I had to figure out who I was if I was mm. going to succeed in this company because he said it was a company of people who wore, this is how he described it, one hat. In other words, you figure out which hat you're going to wear. You don't try and wear everybody's hats. Love that. You don't try and, and be everybody. Mm -hmm. You just have to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And so he illustrates how through some rough elbows and, mm -hmm. and a few difficulties, he understood that he had to figure out who he was, and that gave him success in the company going forward because he figured out what he could do and what he could do well. And he said it was an environment that when people knew what hat they wore, in other words, when yeah. they were comfortable wearing their own hat, that's his, mm -hmm. his uh, illustration, that they could do anything because the company was designed to help people encourage their own initiative and their own dreaming and so on. I love but, that. But you have to know who you are. And so that's the, actually the, the name of the first chapter in the book. Mm -hmm. And he asked some questions like this. What do you love to do and what motivates you? He suggests that we all have to kind of do some self-reflection mm -hmm. because we often drive into parking places that we just happen upon without thinking, do I really want to park my car here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so looking at yourself and thinking, what do I really like? What gives me energy and passion? He said, what dreams do you have? Are they big dreams? Write them down. Mm -hmm. You know, Do some thinking about what you want to do. He says, what's on your list that you don't want to do? or you don't want to be anymore. In other mm -hmm. words, to have things in your life that you're thinking, I don't know. Right. I've been doing this over and over again, but I don't really like it. He goes on to say, what are you putting your passion into? Where is your passion for work? Do you get up and are you excited? Do you feel like you're making a difference? He'll talk later in the book about making a difference. But for just right now, Kimberly, mm -hmm. he's all about at the get-go, you have to figure out who you are. And that Starbucks as a company mm -hmm. figured out what it's about. And interestingly, it's not really about coffee, though coffee's their main product line. Sure. It's really about creating space. And the founder of Starbucks, or the founder, the guy who really expanded it from that first store in Pike Place Market, Howard Schultz, often describes how 
It's a third place. Yes. It's a place where people can go and so uh, not have pressure. You can yeah. go and meet a friend. You can just go there and read a book. It's about just helping you have a space to relax or even a drive through at Starbucks. It's not about you having to do anything except be able to just take a deep breath mm-hmm. and refresh. So it knows who it is. And he's saying, as people, we have to do the same. That's a long story of, of one truth at the beginning of this book. But Kimberly, does that remind you of anything that you've read in other books you teach the Bible, for instance. Can you think of a passage where maybe figuring out who you are is key to everything? Yeah, I mean, I, it does. It makes me think about Jesus. It makes me think about uh, the certainty of his own heart and his own calling. It makes me think about how important that is for everyone to find out and how Jesus taught that. And I have uh, open right now the Gospel of John, because if there is a gospel where Jesus is certain about who he is and what he's come to do, it is the Gospel of John and chapter 13, and the scene where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Wow, Kimberly, read us the first few verses of that chapter. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God, and that he would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel he had around him. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Counselor, comforter, key. 
Kimberly, you just read a a passage out of John's Gospel where Jesus is described as humbling himself before his disciples, his friends, people he has called out to walk with him, and they see themselves as subordinate to him properly because he's the guy at the front of the line. Mm -hmm. And they're amazed at all the things he can do. And they are increasingly becoming aware and embracing the idea Jesus is himself divine. That's right, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. But even as they're coming to this realization, he's washing their feet, which in the context of their culture is the most menial task that could be imagined. He's, That's right. he's humbling himself before them. This is a very famous and vivid portrait of Jesus that we often read in the days before Good Friday or Easter right. because it falls in a chronology of his journey in this world at that time. The reason that it's so relevant as we're talking about service and knowing who you are is that in that passage, there are several important ideas that all of us also have to wrestle with, Mm -hmm. and Jesus has shown us how. The first thing that I have to draw out of it, and you read it beautifully, Kimberly, is that Jesus knew he came from the Father and that he was going to the Mm -hmm. Father. And I think John, who was an eyewitness to the events, is actually recollecting this. He's he's trying to help his readers, you and me and everyone else, understand the moment. And Jesus, I think, in John's view, is empowered to actually humble himself so profoundly by washing their feet because he knew exactly who he was. Yeah, it's it's striking here. He would have to explain this because, you know, this person who is the Messiah, who is the person of honor at the dinner, you know, the, the notion that he would lower himself to the lowest office of the household— And so for Jesus to take this servant position, to take this menial position, is really confronting and troublesome for early hearers of this text. And so he has to kind of unpack it and explain that Jesus could do this because he was certain about who he was. And what a lesson for all of us, isn't it? The servanthood of Jesus, the power of his capacity to serve and prove his love Mm -hmm. is altogether wrapped up in his sense of self. Exactly. He doesn't have to prove anything. He doesn't have to impress them. He doesn't have to be conscious of their sense of his stature or status. He knows who he is. Consequently, he can do the right thing every time Mm -hmm. because he knows who he is. And, And there's another part of the passage that struck me as you were reading it. Just before we learn this about Jesus... We learn also that the devil himself has inspired Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Mm. There's there's this contest going on. There's an invisible world that is impacting the material world, and there are forces working against Jesus. He has enemies. There's an opponent. There is the adversary, Satan himself, who's animating one of his closest associates. But Jesus is unperturbed. Why? Because when you know who you are, when you know that you are created in the image of God, that you have been loved by God, and Jesus was not created, but for us to draw a lesson here, we've been created. When we understand the the prize we are in the sight of God, even though we may have shame and and we may have all kinds of self-doubt, the reality is God formed us, he fashioned us, he loved us, he sent his son for us. 
when you have a sense of who you are in the economy of God, then even though the devil is trying to prowl about and work you harm, you can still do the right thing. And there's Jesus in the midst of all this swirling motion about him, completely serene in the knowledge of who he is, doing the right thing, loving on his friends, Mm -hmm. his disciples, those who are following him, he models for them what to do. And the root of Jesus' self-sense is his consciousness of God. He actually says he's come to do the will of his Father. He's come to destroy the works of the devil. He's come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He has a complete binding of his self-sense to the eternal God. We believe that Jesus is himself God, that he is the exact representation of God in human form. But that said, we who are not ourselves divine can still draw life from this modeling that we have been created in the image of God, we have purpose, we have destiny. God did not just make us random. Mm. There are things for us to do. I may not always know what to do, but this I know. If someone needs their feet washed, I can do that. Mm -hmm. If there's somebody who needs some help, I can do that. If I'm secure with myself, I might do things that I wouldn't do if I was worried about what you think about me so true. or how my status might be affected if I would just get in the mix and love and call the best out of mm-hmm. and help other people identify they also are children of God. Wow. Think about how the world might be different. Sometimes I'd like to go to church and experience that. What would that be like? Wow. And truth be told, I often go to church and find that same kind of quality of spirit in the people around me. Mm. But sometimes I don't always model it so well myself, and this is my call, to always walk into a room understanding who I am first, Mm -hmm. humbly but honestly, authentically. And also imagine myself like Jesus uh, in a scenario where I can do whatever it takes to help someone else without regard for what they think because I know who I am and God knows me. Friends, wherever you are in life, whatever your journey, you may be thinking, well, I can't do that, or I'm not worth that, or God doesn't really value me, or you can't be serious. Do you think God has a purpose or a destiny for me? The scripture tells us that you're God's masterpiece, and if you are allowing yourself to be recreated new in Christ Jesus, he's doing that, so you can do good works that he planned long ago before and that you could walk in them now. That's Ephesians 2.10. You see, you are a person of destiny, but you have to make a decision whether you're going to accept that for yourself. Are you going to choose to believe what God has disclosed already in his word, that you are precious in his sight beyond all of your imagination? and that you have worth and value, you can do it. How do you get started? Well, just now take a deep breath. Sometimes it helps just to take a deep breath because it kind of clears the mind. And pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful that you know us by name, that you have brought each of us into being by your appointment, not one of us here by chance. And while there may be things in our lives and We may have had experiences that we cannot explain. Some may have even injured us. We know this, that above all those things, you know us and you love us and you are calling us to our best selves and that we can be secure knowing that we have supreme value and worth in your sight. Help us to surrender into this truth and then keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who came into this world that we might live, who took upon himself our failures, our mess-ups, our sin, 
and he has made a way for us to be made new and to be made right. And in that, Lord, may we, like Jesus, know where we came from and where we're going. And although we may be conscious of some places from which we have come that are not so good, we can also be confident that where we're going is great because you are at our road's end. I pray, Lord, that we might have this assurance of self-sense and worth in your love, that we might also serve like Jesus and not be conscious of what others think, but do the right thing because we know who we are and we do the right thing. We ask all this, Lord, in Jesus' name and for his glory alone. Amen. It's just a first step. There's so much more to grow and understand to experience. But I'm going to ask you, every time you drive by a Starbucks or you go in the store, think about this. Jesus knew exactly who he was and that liberated him to serve others. And in a small way, perhaps in that Starbucks store, someone might serve you. But don't just see it in the moment. Think of it as a lesson. There's something greater and deeper here. Jesus knew who he was. You can know who you are too. Give us a call. Call us with your questions, your comments, your prayer requests. We want to hear from you. Our telephone number 24-7 is 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone, always ready to hear your voice. Kimberly, if someone does not want to give us a call, but they prefer to check it out online, maybe send us an email, where could they go? You can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org and send us a message and we'll respond. That's exactly right. And CBH, those letters stand for Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. We want you to be hopeful because God knows you and loves you. That's cbhviewpoint.org. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Kimberly, I'm just going to be straight up. When I get out of the studio, I'm going to Starbucks. I'm getting some chocolate-covered graham crackers. (laughs) Of course you are. It's it's a little reward for a long day's work. (laughs) Good for you. And I hope that when you drive by Starbucks, you'll just give yourself a treat, too. It's okay. All right. You got it. And we're so glad that you joined us also today on Viewpoint. We hope you'll join us again next as we try and draw some other life lessons from your local Starbucks store and the Gospel of John. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.